0: what's up everyone the usl championship schedule has been released and now uh, is anyone getting as excited as i am now that we have an official schedule we know the dates the times the locations we're going to talk about that and more plus we brought or we have a a special guest scheduled to join us later on in this episode this is the orange of black soccer cast Mm -hmm.
1: is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast
2: dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at
0: OCSC underscore Soccer or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going Orange County welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County soccer club its fans and supporters I'm your host Ray Sabora and I'm with you pretty much each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County soccer club and joining me well we're going to introduce someone different first this time because there's a streak potentially on the line tonight. Uh, Let's head down to San Diego, and that's Alan down in San Diego. Alan, you're being introduced first on the podcast. How does it feel?
1: Uh, It feels awkward, actually. Like, it feels a little bit weird. Usually it's Dylan. He says how great he's doing. He makes some, you know, down with the bourgeoisie reference, and then it's time for me. But, no, things are going well down here. It was a beautiful day today, and I'm super excited to talk about some soccer. We got a schedule, and I can't wait to dig into it.
0: Yes, definitely. We're going to take uh, pretty much most of this first part of this episode to dig into that schedule, find out what matches we're all excited about, what uh, worries us about the schedule. And we've seen some of you on social media already sharing some of those worries, and we'll definitely talk about that. But first, let me also introduce uh, Mr. Brad from Reno, the honorary Orange County SC fan from Reno. Welcome back on, Brad. And how are you doing?
3: I am also not Dylan and I'm also very happy to be digging into a schedule today.
0: Yeah, I think we're all excited to get into the schedule talk. Um, And the, the cool, I think uh, the USL show was uh, tagging Brad as the one that's sort of breaking uh, the, the time that the schedule was going to be released. Although I think uh, Alan will question that, uh, that breaking news there. I think it was, the team that he supports down there south of us that sort of leaked when that would happen but hey we've got a schedule and we don't have Dylan here which is again it feels weird to me too I think we're all now saying it just feels weird um again potential streak is on the line we'll we'll see if he can make it on here apparently he got held up in some traffic or a work thing I don't know we'll figure it out uh let's dig in this to a little bit though and you know I should have been more prepared uh, you know I typically lean on Dylan. Um, and Alan from time to time. But I got the two of you. So let's dig into this a little bit. The schedule released today. We've learned that Orange County will play one match before their home opener against Sacramento. Alan, uh, who's that opponent?
1: I'm pulling it up right now because I don't have it memorized.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'll carry the
3: slack. It's Tacoma Defiance on Sunday, May 16th. And
1: and that's why I didn't remember because it's not no one consequential. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so it's almost, I mean, no disrespect to Tacoma, but it's almost like an extra preseason match there uh, that you can think of just because, well, you never know what you're going to get out of Tacoma. They could they could uh, field a very strong team. But typically earlier on in the season, uh, you might see the two teams holding back a little bit because they're trying to focus on their MLS side. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so Tacoma defiance, um, what do you guys think of that being the first opponent of the season for um, Orange County. I'm going to start with you, Alan.
1: Um, I think it gives them a chance to uh, kind of build on what they've been working on the preseason uh, and to kind of put it into action against in a, a game that matters. Um, it would be like, to, like you said, Tacoma sometimes is a crapshoot. I know a couple years ago, Orange County went up there and dropped some points and it was like, we're not going to make the playoffs now. Uh, Cause when you drop points to Tacoma, it's not usually a good thing for your season. Um, and you're right. I do think that there is some, uh, a little bit of trepidation. You don't want to overlook an opponent, um, but I, I think it, it'll be a good chance for orange County to put their game plan into action and to, um, and to see it actually play out over course of 90 minutes that actually means something.
0: Yeah. You know, in a division that's three out of the eight teams are two teams. It's going to be very interesting to see how those matchups go for orange County, for San Diego, for Phoenix, for Sacramento and for Oakland. Uh, Brad, what are your thoughts on Tacoma? Um, Is that a good first opponent or is that a scary first opponent when you're heading into a a new season with a new look of the way things are aligned?
3: I think it's the perfect opponent to kind of get those wheels rolling early in the season. Yeah, it's Tacoma. Um, You can always never know what they get if they're going to send down good players from uh, the Sounders, but hopefully, you know, you get some pretty uh, good showing from a good starting lineup.
0: And I I think he's trying to make his way in. It's I think it's like a a mobile or a cell phone connection. Uh, He, I think he heard us. He doesn't want his streak to end. Uh Oh, that doesn't look good. That does not look good. Mr. Dillon. We're going to, we're going to hold off on talking to you. I want you to be safe, man. Um, Unless you want to put that thing down and, and, and unmute, but I'll hold off on you. You can just listen to what we have to say. And when you're in a safe, uh, location. We will get you on here. Uh, so we know that the match. If you're li- if you're not watching live, if you're on the um, podcast and only listening to us, uh, Dylan looks like he is trying to get out of that traffic, trying to get home. And we definitely want him to focus on his driving because that is definitely what we need. Um, let me jump to you, uh, Alan. So we play the match in Tacoma, then we come home and open against Sacramento. Uh, and let's just go over some of these highlights. Let's let's start off with the big news. Uh, we sort of knew going into this that there would be four out of division opponents for Orange County. Um, there was a little bit of uh, some interesting news that came out of that. The the four opponents. Uh, out of those four, what was your biggest uh, shock or biggest surprise?
1: I mean, you 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 have to say Charleston Battery is the biggest surprise out of that group. Um, this is kind of a fun matchup. This is, you know, we were talking about this before. I'm going to steal Brad's line of old school East Co- uh, Eastern Conference and old school Western Conference. These are two of the older teams in the USL. Um, and it's almost, uh, I think Ryan um, Ryan Allen from the USL show put out a couple tweets or sent in a message that was essentially saying that this is almost uh, seven years to the day of the last time they played each other. I think it's like a week or maybe a week to 10 days off. Uh, but it was a 2-1 victory for Charleston Battery. And um, I think this is a really fun matchup for the USL. Um, as a, as If you're a neutral, there's a really fun matchup. Two strong teams uh, representing their conferences. And that one is the one that really struck me as the most intriguing.
0: And uh, let me go to you, Brad. Uh, would you agree with Alan as the most intriguing matchup there is uh, the Battery matchup? Or are you looking at one of these other matchups uh, out of division for Orange County as the intriguing matchup? For this season,
3: no, I 100% agree with uh, Alan. I'm kind of sad he stole my line of old school versus old school, but (laughs) I gave you credit. I no, you did just like I gave uh, San Diego credit for leaking the schedule was going to be out today. Totally did that. Um, No, I mean for the other matchups, all the other out of conference uh, matchups that we play are uh, teams from the what Mountain Division the teams that are getting eight out of conference games instead of four. So those don't come to to me as a surprise at all. Um, it's interesting that we're playing at Colorado. Um, and I think we have, what, it's uh, both the Texas teams, El Paso and Rio Grande Valley, coming to uh, Championship Soccer Park. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one.
1: Yeah, RGV and El Paso.
3: Yeah. So those are, those are kind of the expected, but yeah. The the crazy out of left field one is Charleston Battery. You know, you you could hope for one East Coast team, but I didn't expect it to be South Carolina East Coast.
0: Yeah, no, definitely uh it's interesting, you know. I, I think a lot of Orange County fans have been pining for, you know, uh cross country matchup of some sort. You know, a lot of us here on the Western Conference, we always like to sort of complain. I might use that word that probably isn't the correct word that the USL focuses more on the Eastern Conference and that when you look at power ranking stuff, unless you're a Phoenix, of course. Uh, but they really look at Phoenix and then they look at the the East Coast for the power rankings, a lot of the new stuff that happens. And I think a lot of Western conference fans, regardless of what team you support, we look at that and we like to sort of say, well, the Western Conference is a really strong conference from top to bottom. You might have some top heavy teams in the Eastern Conference that make it look really good out there. But we always like to think the Western Conference has uh, the better group of teams. So it's an opportunity to see that uh, with Orange County going out uh, and traveling, I believe, to face Charleston. Uh, and, and we'll see how that turns out. Uh, you know, I, I already saw some fans looking at the schedule, looking at ticket prices. I think that's a very intriguing road trip for some of the fans. I think, uh, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, maybe Andy. Uh, super fan Andy and part of our podcast team now just hasn't really been on one of our episodes yet. Really this season was mentioning that the ticket prices were comparable to what the Reno trip was a couple seasons ago uh, to fly out to Charleston. So that might be, you might see some traveling fans of that match, which is really, really cool being that it's across the country uh, and things of that. Um, And by the way, since we're talking about, you know, giving credit where credit is due for things, I'm going to say this right now. Uh, Russell, who is listening to the podcast, uh, I see what you posted on the Facebook feed. I may steal that and use that for the title of this episode. Uh, and I'm saying don't pod and drive. That may be the title of this episode when it comes down to it. We'll figure it out. We'll see if anything else interesting comes on, but I want to give credit where credit is due there. Um, and Dylan, if you do listen to Loros OC, who's watching on Periscope and Twitter, and you do stop at Del Taco, feel free to pick us all up something and, and you can deliver it. You could do some DoorDash for all of us. I'm sure it shouldn't take too long. To, especially to get it to Brad up there in Reno. Um, so let's now move on a little bit more to the teams we knew we would be playing. We just didn't know the dates uh, and locations and, and the way that would line up. Let's talk about those Pacific division, division matchups. I think one of the interesting things um, I can't remember off the, te- off the top of my head, the team that we are playing almost every single game before we even face Phoenix, I want to say it's Sacramento is what I was uh, seeing uh, people talk about That's very interesting that that's the way it's lining up in this this season where you're going to pretty much play all of your games against Sacramento before you even get to face one of the other teams in the division. It's it's weird because the season goes a a while. You have ups and downs and flows, but if you're going to put all of your matches against specific opponents in a specific part of the season, you're sort of eliminating some of those opportunities to face an opponent while they're down and then face them when they're... Up again or on fire? So, what are your thoughts on that, Alan? Uh, this is
1: kind of a quirk that I noticed with looking at the loyal schedule. Is it's actually the same date that Saturday, July twenty fourth, is the last time Orange County sees Sacramento. It's also the last day that San Diego sees Phoenix. Um, so, I think that just a quirk of the schedule uh, where you, it just happened to work out where you were getting these teams meeting each other. Uh, It is a little unfortunate because you like a little bit of that drama of, you know, early season and then coming back at the end of the season because, I mean, over the course of the season, you're playing, you're probably going to see three, four different teams. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a 20-game run like Phoenix put on a couple years ago uh, again. Um, But what it does do is it allows Orange County to get into a good rhythm uh, before they uh, have to face Phoenix in the heat of the summer into the fall. it puts Orange County in a position to put themselves uh, in a competitive position. So when they do face Phoenix, uh, they're within striking distance uh, and also puts a little space between them and Sacramento. It is weird, um, but it's going to feel a little bit playoffy at the beginning of the season where you see them May 22nd. And then again on June 5th, kind of home and home Um, you're going to know them really well. Uh, So there is that as well. And then you don't have to worry about them uh, for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a quirk I noticed when looking at some of the other teams as well, is that you play them early and then you don't play them again.
0: So let me ask you a, a slight variation of that question, Brad, uh, you know, again, that sort of setup where you got a lot of Sacramento early, you got a lot of Phoenix late on, right. Uh, is that to the benefit of orange County or is that, um, sort of a hindrance to them and the schedule and, Uh, let's not even think about it on the side of fans where you sort of probably have a lot of fans that want to see Phoenix early on for that opportunity to see not just Aiden Quinn, but it looks like now Andre Rawls uh, is on loan down in Phoenix. He's a fan favorite there for Orange County. So I'm sure there's fans that would love to see those players early on in the season before there's a chance of injuries. But how do you feel that impacts Orange County and their schedule? Uh, Is it easier to plan for? Is it more difficult to figure out? What, What do you think?
3: Well, in terms of facing Phoenix, you know, you can study a lot of game film when when half the season's over before you even face them the first time. But they also get to prepare for you in the same way uh, going against us in Orange County. Um, I kind of look at it as a, I guess I'll use kind of Nevada terminology, but gambler's fallacy Uh, in the sense that teams, a team could be in a rut then. A team could also not be in a rut then, especially when you're facing them four times in such a short period of time. Um, you know, So it's like 50-50. Phoenix could be really good at that time, could be in a serious rut at that time. And I know you were referring to earlier how you don't get to you know, catch them on the streak. Well, they could still be on a bad streak, and we could have four games where they're just having some terrible luck. Um, but you don't know until that game is dealt to you, I guess. So crummy, crummy gamblers, gamblers, uh, fallacy stuff. Hooray.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get into some worries on this schedule, because one of the biggest worries that I'm seeing on here, um, when you look at the schedule in the month of July, the team is playing eight matches. That's basically two matches a week. Probably when it's starting to get one of the hottest months of the year here in Orange County in, in that July heat. Um, And then you also look at the end of the season in October, there are seven matches in the month of October, right when you're making the push to the playoffs, which means you're pushing your team to play pretty much two, two matches a week uh, and hoping that you can stay away from any kind of major injuries during that time, because now you're going to be looking at heading into the playoffs, hopefully, um, you know, getting into the playoffs without having any major injuries. That's, that's a very difficult ask. I don't know what other team schedules, uh, maybe Alan, if you, if you have the San Diego schedule in front of you, maybe they have a similar look when it comes into October and in the, the middle of July with the heat. Uh, does that worry either of you? I'm going to start again. We'll just go in order. I'll go back to Alan. Does that worry you with the way the schedule is laid out, especially the bigger one? I know it's eight games in July, but it's those seven games in October that worry me the most. Cause that's when you're at the end of the season, players are, are tired, exhausted already. You're pushing them and they're, Exerting energy to make the playoffs. What do you think, Alan?
1: Yeah, the run of October, I think, is is the one that is the most interesting because you have Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. And your games are at at Tacoma, home of Phoenix, at Oakland, home to San Diego and home to Vegas is how is traveling up and down the coast going to affect your ability to prepare for that Phoenix match on Wednesday and then be prepared for that Oakland match on Saturday. Who knows how good that team's going to be. And then you're back at it again, traveling back down to take on loyal. That's a tough row of games that, you know, we saw this last year where um, teams can kind of run out of gas at the end and lose games that they probably should have won like that uh, home game against Vegas. Um, if this season's like last season, that's a huge game that on paper you see OC versus Vegas. You're like, Oh, it's probably a winnable game. You have them at home. But after that run of Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, that's, that's, you know, that's not going to be no joke um, for orange County uh, to try and be consistent and keep people healthy and rotate. And this is where your depth comes into factor. This is where that having kind of, You know, six guys who can play up top and a pretty deep midfield, and maybe some rotation in the back end. This is where your your depth is going to come in handy um, if you're able to keep people healthy um, and gear up in that September window. Um, Maybe after that July, you have some uh, mid season signing that you'll be able to bring in uh, somebody to add some depth to, to. hit some of those issues, maybe that you're having mid season, but yeah, that October stretch is, is pretty deadly to end your pretty much in your season.
0: And before we get to you, Brad, you know, for those of you listening to the podcast, again, you're not watching live. Dylan has made it safely to his home. Uh, Again, do not pod and drive. I'm going to say that very, 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 sincerely do not pot and drive Dylan. That's why we did not bring you on to speak while you're in the middle of driving. So um, I'm going to go to you first before I go to Brad. I'm sure you've heard what we were talking about, but we're talking about those congested months of July. And then the one that I think is more scary is that October month with seven matches at the end of the season, where now you're looking at a long season players have been playing, you know, almost weekly, if not twice a week. Uh, And hopefully we're in a playoff push at that point uh is it scary to have seven matches in that final month of the season
2: it's awful um and a belated hello to everyone listening um
0: the streak stays alive though man the streak streak stays alive
2: stays alive yeah um wow i'll try not to be tardy next time but this is it's an awful i think the summer is going to be much worse but we also have to remember that like the weather doesn't really get any better in October. That's usually when 90% of the state's on fire, or if we're being entirely honest, that's when like five states are on fire. So we could have problems with air quality. We could have problems with travel because of air quality. We could have problems with heat uh, and dryness. Um, usually you're like, oh man, Phoenix, like that's going to suck, or, like Texas, that's going to suck. But you generally maybe you do like a a sunday wednesday in oklahoma or in texas and then you get like a week and a half off and now it's just like every three days and the players will say that they really enjoy playing that every three days but like if you pick up a knock in a match where you are play like darwin jones and um you rely heavily on speed like by the time that you've played that third match in seven days you're gonna be dead um and you're gonna you're gonna be at risk for injuries so that's gonna be a a really big ask of um, the uh, medical staff. It's going to be a really big ask of um, Braden Cloutier and his his coaching staff to make sure that he has all of these people that are fit um, and well-rested and can play two, seven, eight game spans in the course of a month.
0: And, you know, I I would like to think this is a a – a reason why it's it's great that this Orange County team has some depth, but also has some veteran depth. depth. People that know the ins and outs of professional soccer know how to recover their bodies. They might not be quite familiar with this type of setup where you're playing seven matches in a month, but when you can, you know, when you look at it that way, when you can rotate some, some players in and out, they're still playing pretty much weekly, which is what soccer players are used to. It hopefully will not impact them much unless, again, unless there's injuries that are impacting them at at that point of the season. The hope is that you get into October healthy and now you can sort of rotate players in and out and still give them that steady one match a month or one match a week that they'll be able to keep their form. Brad, let me get your thoughts on that October um, schedule uh, portion there. What do you think with October? Is that, is that going to be difficult for Orange County to overcome?
3: Yeah, I am I'm in the same boat as all of of you guys. October is busy july is busy and i don't know if i'm blind but it doesn't look like we really have any stretch where we have more than eight days off in between a game i don't know if you guys are better at math than me and see one but it looks like we don't really get a true bye week in the whole season where players if they pick up an injury along will have a significant amount of time you know like 10 12 days to recover from any injuries so correct me if i'm wrong but this is a schedule that, outside of July and October, we play one game a week. And those two months, we play every four to you know every four to six days.
1: Yeah, you basically swapped out that bye week for starting late. Like the first game's uh, May sixteenth, yeah. and uh, the season for some teams start in April. So I think you're swapping out some of that bye week in the middle of the season. Uh, to push your start of your season kind of a couple weeks after uh, that May first start date.
0: And I think a, a big part of that late start to the season is the club was just hoping to push it back as much as they can just to figure out how we can get fans into the stand. So it's not an empty stadium at the beginning of the season. So it's that uh, I guess, pick your poison. Would you prefer uh early start with maybe a few mat- a games with no fans, even though at this point we know fans will be allowed, but I think when, you know, they're, they're putting in their request to the league. We don't know what California is going to be like, what Orange County is going to be like at the uh, mid April point. Um, or do you push it back, but now give yourself a congested schedule, which is what Orange County has. I feel like they've done a good job of addressing some depth there to help with this type of schedule. Um, especially when you have, I know we said this sort of last season, you have a a good amount of scores on the roster. Hopefully they can all figure out their role with this club. Uh, and it, it's, it's a great season. Hopefully that October run is a playoff run. We're pushing for a uh, position into the playoffs and whatnot. Um, Any other thoughts? I'm going to go to you, Dylan, uh, cause we're, j- we're hearing from you very late into this episode. What are your thoughts on the four uh, matches that are out of division? Were you shocked by any of those opponents and, uh, what is your favorite or what is your most surprising match out of all those? Um,
2: I'm not surprised. I mean, I think we knew it was coming. Um, I may have kind of forgotten it was happening because at some points this winter, I was like, are we really even going to have a 2021 season? But to be honest, and I I don't really have a right to say this because I wasn't uh, hanging around with the team back in these days, but for nostalgia's sake, the Charleston match should be pretty great. Um, I imagine this wasn't an accident to kind of put two of the, God, dare I see old guard in a league that's like 10 years old together. Were you listening
3: but to us earlier?
2: It's going to be good. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It sucks that it's not close, right? But... Um, it's a lot better than ending up and playing and like, oh, let's go play Oklahoma, like a team we've played before, or you know, maybe a St. Louis. Rest in peace. I think that's
1: the, the interesting thing is when you start to break down those outside of conference games or interconference conference games, uh, just the diversity, especially in the Pacific Division, like you have Tampa Bay, you have New York, you have Louisville, you have Charleston. Uh, you have a lot of the heavy hitters um, outside of Pittsburgh. I don't think anyone play, plays Pittsburgh in the Pacific, but you have a lot of the big East coast teams coming to play uh, a, a Pacific division. So it's like, not only are is this probably one of the toughest divisions to play uh, in now your away games or your out of conference games include um, a pretty big team from the East for most of the teams in our division. I think I guess it gets draws the toughest out of division. Schedule to get San Antonio at El Paso at Real and Bay. Like, I don't think any of us would trade four games for any of the other games in, or any of the teams in our division would trade those games. Like, that's a tough out of conference schedule. But, and unfortunately, like some of those teams at the bottom of the end, like Atlanta kind of gets hosed a little bit, like they're playing some tough teams. Uh, Tacoma probably has one of the lightest in our group. They have at Austin, at Colorado, Real, and New Mexico. Um, but uh, Orange County has kind of an probably an average in our group of uh, a good smattering of some pretty good teams. Uh, and then you get RGV at home, which is better than traveling to RGV on the road. Um, those are two completely different matchups. Uh, so taking a look at the rest of our division, uh, I think Orange County gets off pretty fairly. Um, and those out of conference games are, are going to be fun to watch and are going to be pretty competitive. But um, I don't think
0: there's any game in there that Orange County can't win. Any last thoughts from you, Brad, on on any of this talk that we were just discussing? Brad is muted.
3: Personally, I'm looking forward, and this isn't an Orange County game, but uh, Phoenix is playing in Tampa Bay on May 15th, and that is the game that I have circled of, this is going to be the most trash talk game in East versus West, because although it's not the championship game from last year that we were expecting, everyone's going to equate it to being the championship game from last year that we were expecting, so... That one was going to be a very interesting matchup, and then a couple weeks later, Phoenix travels to, I think, Charlotte, so that'll be another interesting thing, where Phoenix is flying cross-country twice in the the span of a couple of weeks. Um, That game is on July 10th, so twice in the span of two months.
0: I mean, is it a shock to anyone that when there's this cross-conference play that the one match is going to be Phoenix traveling out to Tampa Bay. I mean, with everyone knows that the league loves Phoenix when it comes to the Western conference teams. And, and there's a good reason when you're the league to love Phoenix because of the, um, press love that they get. Uh, you know, I have heard stuff talked about them on major talk radio shows. I think the Dan Patrick show, uh, would talk about their dollar beer nights quite a bit talking about their streak, Um, so, I mean, of course the, the hub of the league, which is based out of Tampa, they're going to bring Phoenix out there for a match. Right. Uh, so that'll, uh, be very interesting there. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about this as we get closer to the, to the season, but we do have a guest that I believe is ready to join us on here. So we're going to welcome him on. We're going to welcome back on. Uh, I don't remember if this is the second or third time, but we'll maybe he'll remember. We're going to bring on Kevin Alston defender for orange County soccer club, Kevin, welcome back to the orange and black soccer cast.
4: Can you guys hear me?
0: Yes, we can hear you, Kevin. Can you hear us?
4: Yep, yep. I can hear you. What's going on?
0: Uh, How's it going, man? Welcome back to our show. Uh, Thank you for taking some time out of your evening to jump on and speak with us. Uh, We're pretty much this whole episode, we've been discussing this schedule, which got released earlier today when we're recording this. Uh, Give us your quick thoughts, Matt. You've probably gotten a chance to see the schedule and what it looks like. What are your thoughts on on what the schedule is shaping up for, for Orange County this season?
4: I'm going to be honest. I have not looked at the schedule, so <laughs> I'm not, I'm all not right, the right, all right. One. <laughs> I mean, well, <to, laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I I I I will check out the schedule as we get a little bit closer and, um you know, and, and see kind of who we're playing when. I know we do have a lot of games, I believe, in the month of July. Um, but no, I just I haven't gotten around to it yet. You know, I will at some worry. point, though.
0: No worries. So you brought up like though, the congested schedule in July, and you also have a similar setup in October, which is towards the playoff run, hopefully Uh, fingers Mm -hmm. crossed playoff run, right? Uh, How does the way the team has been uh, built and set up with some depth now, especially with you returning on defense. Now you have a nice rotation of defenders there that you have. How is that going to help out when we do have these uh, months where you're going to have two, two matches a week? How does that help out having some depth all across the, the roster?
4: I mean, I think it's, I think it's going to be crucial. You know, I think if you looked at the season last year, I think we had a, a pretty good roster together, but um, it was just difficult under the circumstances, a lot of games and a little bit of time. Um, you know, we had some injuries, just a lot of things to navigate. So I think having that extra depth this year, um, you know, it, it makes a big difference, especially when you have multiple midweek games, you can kind of uh, rotate, you know, lineups and formations and squads and, um, you know, but always put a very strong uh, team out in the field and um, look to get results.
0: Um, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of fans when the club initially announced some of the returning players and we didn't see Kevin Alston as a name uh, as one of those returning players, a lot of fans are like, OK, Kevin maybe has another opportunity coming out up uh, in his career and whatnot. But eventually we hear Kevin Alston's returning, which I think a lot of fans were excited for. You're now one of the longest tenured players with this team. I think if I can remember correctly, it's between you and Darwin Jones. I think, um, you guys came around that same time in 2017. Um, Dylan's like trying to show signals that Kevin is the one that came first. Uh, what, uh, what, how are you taking that role? Now you're the, the, the person that's (laughs) been with us team the longest. You can sort of carry on the, the last, uh, memory of us reaching the Western conference final, right? You're one of those few players that were there. Um, how do you share that with, uh, the the your teammates that weren't there um and how do you bring them that uh energy and that excitement to be here a part of orange county
4: you know i um that's a great question i I think you know it it, it was a little bit of a surprise to me you know it, it seems like I just joined the club you know a few months ago but uh it seems like these these past few years have kind of flown by but um like you said being that longest tenured player, i think uh what I can bring to the table is just, you know, I, I know what the club expects and, um, you know, and, and, and the, the standard that we want to uphold here. And I can kind of just try and pass it on to the new guys coming in and try and just set the tone and, you know, I, but at the same time, you know, uh, help with guys, you know, coming in and being comfortable in in the new environment and, um, you know, kind of just try to uh, be the glue a little bit and help out where I can.
0: So, uh, you know, we've, we've opened it up. We let uh, fans know when we're going to have guests on the show now that w- to, to allow them to ask some questions. And we do have a question that came through on the live chat from Loros OC. Um, just wanted to know, like, are you going to be involved with the orange County Academy, the orange County SC Academy this season? I know that's a big part of this team. Now we've, we've sort of set up this growth platform for, uh platform for young players in orange mm-hmm. County to take those next steps. What kind of involvement are you going to have with that? How are you going to um, help those, those young players grow? That's a good question. So I, I, I as of now, I, I know we haven't had any conversations about um,
4: specific involvement. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind being involved. You know, I always like to try and give back where I can and, and also just see that the young talent that we have and, um, you know, help out you know, where, where needed. But um, I, I'm not sure what kind of involvement I'll have with the academy. Um, but hopefully at some point I, I can get involved in some
0: some way. I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic over to uh, Dylan. uh, See if he has any questions uh, for you, Kevin.
2: Well, um, I actually don't because I took my question about you, you know, being oh, we have a we have a fan question. Uh, Any chances of you joining the uh, apparently USU fifty team, there, Kevin? Even though you are a ripe, I believe, (laughs) thirty-two years old,
4: um, which actually, I'm sorry. It, it broke up for a second. Can you, can you repeat the question? Oh yeah. One of our fans it's good that like it broke if, up
0: though for a second. There. Yeah.
2: Maybe. Um, one of our fans would maybe like to know if you're going to be on the, uh, the U 50 team, although you are, you know, <laughs> you're not even 33 yet. Um, but I, I feel almost evil saying this, um, because you're really not that old, but this might be the, the latter part of your career. Um, Mm -hmm. what are you doing now to not only be able to continue playing um fitness wise but looking forward um what are you hoping to do
4: either in the sport or moving on from here that's a very good question um well okay for starters uh fitness wise you know i i i I think one thing i've just learned over the years is as you get older you you know you you start to feel things a, a lot more and here and there and I think just trying to take care of your body the most um, you can is essential. And I I do a lot of that, you know, I, um, you know, whether it's supplements before and after, um, I have a routine, um, daily routine that I, 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 work on just to, just to try and keep my body as fresh as possible. You know, I, I, I gotta do what I can to just, uh, make sure I try my best to stay on that field and stay healthy. So, um, I'd say it's all about a routine, you know, I think. That's one thing I learned from uh, older guys at a young age is, um, you know, establish something that that works for you. Everybody's different, and uh, stick to it. And consistency is key. You know, if you can carry that out over the years, and and it works, you know, keep it going. So that that's what I would say I'm doing uh, for myself. Um, as far as the future, you know, that's. It's a great question. I I think I'm still trying to figure it out as I go. You know, I I have a a business back in Orlando um, and uh, in the off season, like I go back there and and try and help and build it. And um, I, I, you know, I I would love to stay, you know, somewhere in the sport um, when I'm done playing. Um, I don't know what form or capacity that, that may be. Um, So I I guess I'm just kind of playing it by ear right now and, uh, you know, still trying to figure all that out. I I have a lot of things to figure out still, but, but, you know, hopefully that's uh, not coming up tomorrow. So I got a little bit more time and can focus on winning a championship first.
1: My first question, yeah, is the beard coming back? Like, are we going to replace that glorious beard?
4: (sighs) yes it's coming back you know that that was a battle that that was uh i i i was holding firm for a long time but i had a lot of uh heat coming i.e from my mom and uh close family members talking about i need they need they want to see the best version of myself and um so uh you know i, I it was one of those things i just want to start fresh for, for preseason um but i i fully plan on bringing it back
1: because so yes. hand's going to give you a run for your money on on best beard on the team, so uh, his his beard looking
4: real real strong right now. I can't lie.
1: <laughs> so we will we will very much look forward to the return of the Kevin Alston beard, one of the best beards in the league. I
4: would I would say. Uh, oh, I wish another, I wish you could have seen a recent. I should have taken like a final picture, but I, I, <laughs> up, I dropped the ball.
0: <laughs> I, I just wish I could grow uh, a beard uh, anywhere close to it. Uh, Kevin Alston, what Chris Wehan has, or even what Alan has uh, on our podcast here. That is
1: a good looking beard. It's getting a little long. Um, The other question I have is orange County was really strong in the back last year. What was, and and a lot of those guys are coming back. What is some of the success that goes into uh, creating a really solid back line? uh, and, And, and what goes like, what can you, for folks who are maybe looking, they're coaching their kids or they're, they're trying to watch the game what is something that you can say really brought about with that backline and how successful you guys
4: were last year um good question i think there's a lot of things you know i think uh one aspect of that is um chemistry you know um i think it's important to have you know a uh, a mix of experience and youth um and it's, it's about that relationship with the guy next to you. And I think we, we all had a, a very, you know, good relationship with each other and in, uh, in the positions that we played and we were all for the team. And, um, and, you know, you, when you got guys like Michael Orozco and Rob Kieran, and, you know, it kind of makes things a little bit easier. Both of those guys have played at the highest level, have a ton of experience. So, you know, that, 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 that's a, it's a great thing to have in the center center of your defense. So I think that's a, uh, I mean, I mean, that's one aspect of it. But I, I'd say that the main thing for for young players, you know, it's just, you know, focus on your position and, and and where you need to be in your role. But the next step is, you know, work that relationship with the guy next because um, when you have a strong back line and, and you're all in sync and cohesive, you know, it, it makes things a lot. A lot easier you know when when things are kind of disjointed and the line's not even and one guy has a different motive than the next guy you know that that's where it really gets difficult
3: all right so i got a quick one for you tonight kevin uh also thank you for joining us tonight um so camp started yesterday for you guys if i stand corrected right How's that going so far? What's some insights that you can tell us that's been going on in training camp that that can give the fans of Orange County something to look forward to heading into 2021 so far?
4: Well, I mean, it's not a whole lot of exciting things, you know. Day two, the, I could tell you, want some insight? Out, a lot of running, <laughs> a lot of a lot of fitness. Seems like that's going to be a a big thing this year. It's just being very fitness oriented. Um, so you know a lot of that so far uh, I'm sure we'll get into more uh, playing down the road, but for now, I think we're, uh, that's kind of where we're at.
0: So I guess I, I could say I'm getting it right. If I'm hearing correct from Kevin, when I teach my kids team, when we first get back to practice and I just make them run a lot, that's the way things go <laughs> when it comes to, to getting back no, to, no, no, to, no. to
4: play. <laughs> hey, 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 yes, yes. Definitely make them run. But you know, it's a fine line because you 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 want your team to be fit, but um at the same time you you want your kids to have fun too, you know. And if they're just out there running sprints all day every day, you know, yeah, <laughs> it, it, nobody enjoys running. I mean, actually, that, I take that back. Some people actually enjoy it, but I'd say the the majority of people don't.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, right. I have two players on my roster of kids that uh, of ten that actually like when I say, okay, we're gonna run. The rest of <laughs> them, you know, do that that groan or that that yeah, long yeah. you know sigh, like oh, not again, yeah. coach. Yeah, How I, I you think have something quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I,
4: I think the key is if you want to if you want to get them to run, do it, do it like uh, in a game like situation. So, for example, if you're playing small sided, have three teams, the team that's off or, or the team that loses has to go do a couple sprints before they come back in for the next game. Bill's character and you won't want to lose. So that you make them rendering and
1: then you have your back line all get ice cream together so they can work on that camaraderie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't, all, go, we all... <laughs> you can't send kids to go get a beer, so you have to like,
4: you know, go, go yeah. give yourself a pop. Yeah, go yeah. go to go to the movie theaters together or something.
0: <laughs> I, I have one last question I want to ask you, Kevin, but I actually have two in my mind. So I'm gonna ask you pick A or B and I'll ask you that question that that you pick.
4: I'll answer both, but if you if you want to just right. limit it to one.
0: We'll go we'll up, go yeah. with both then. We'll go with right. both. Uh, first one is uh, about one of the big rivalries for Orange County, which is Phoenix. They they're start of sort of starting to stock up on some former OC players there with Aiden Quinn. Uh, you have Contor Wasoansu, I think, is still over there. And then now you have uh, Andre Rawls, who's joining them on loan. What is it going to feel like oh, when you're? That. What is it going to feel like when you're playing uh, against Phoenix and seeing all these former, you know, comrades on your team? Now they're the, now they're the enemy. What is that going to feel like, man?
4: Uh, it's going to feel fun. You know, I, I I talk to Aiden all the time. We text every week, um, you know, just to check in. But uh, you know, it's 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 always fun to match up against those guys. And now now we'll have even if it's as if we didn't have enough incentive to win. Now we'll have even more, you know, because he kind of want to stick it to the next guy. So you know, I, I love Aiden, but I definitely want to beat him.
0: I know we're we're cheering for Aiden as long as he's not playing Orange County. Yeah. Um, then then at that point he's the enemy, and we're cheering for Orange County. Um one last question and then we'll maybe have one fun question. I'll I'll let the guys figure out who's gonna ask that fun question from you. Um recently, uh, just this this past week, uh USA didn't qualify for the Olympics, um, which is disappointing, especially when you're hearing all this talk that USA is this up-and-coming uh program or country when it comes to international soccer. Uh Kevin, if you were looking at that, analyzing that at all, like what uh, what needs to be done to get orange or to get USA into that upper echelon of, of international soccer? That's a good
4: question. I, I I've, th- I've I've
0: talked a lot about it. I've thought a lot about it.
4: Uh, I, I finally gotten over the, the disappointment again. Um, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we have a great young talent pool. Um, you know, I, I obviously I, I think this is more of an excuse than anything, but you know, we, we had, young guys um with the full team at the time and you know i think for a third consecutive cycle in a row maybe you just want to send some guys down to just make sure like okay this year we we need to make the olympics um i don't know it's it's hard to say because you know other countries kind of do the same thing so that's that's an excuse more than that i'm just reaching so i i don't know what the answer is we we have young talent we just we need to find a way to break through. I I guess it's not good enough. Something's not good enough. I know that much. Something needs to change um, fundamentally. And I, I I don't have the answer for that, but something needs to change.
0: All right. Let me see if uh, any of these three guys figured out a fun question to ask Kevin Um, or if not, we'll just, we'll leave it at that. Oh, no fun questions. Has your favorite vegetable changed?
4: (laughs) Did
2: I say beets last time? I think so, because I think all three of us kind of winced when you said that.
4: <laughs> I, but see, it's tricky because I, I wouldn't say that's my favorite vegetable. I just I, I like to eat them because the benefits and I don't think they taste that bad. I mean, if I had like a go to vegetable, it, if I have one vegetable to eat for the rest of my life. It wouldn't be beets, but, you know, I can mess with them.
3: <laughs> all right, right. I'll ask a silly question if we're not going to count that one. All right. Um, is cereal a soup? Cereal and milk? Do you count that as soup?
4: Wow. Is it a soup? Um, Does
0: have to be hot? I, I would assume a soup has to be hot because yeah, it's be cold.
4: Yeah. I need, I need to see some definitions on soup, but, but off the top of my head, you know, I mean, cause you, you know, you can eat, there's, there's cold soup. So I'd say initially it's questionable but if you let it sit for long enough, then it becomes soup because then I feel like every, the cereal soggy and then it's more soupy. And cause like, like what soup do you eat? That's just straight crunchy and cold. You know, I think that's uncommon, but if you let it sit for long, if there should be like a time where it turns into soup. So if it's like post four and a half minutes, it's, it's not a soup. Put that in the books, anything <laughs> after four and a half minutes is soup.
0: <laughs> one last quick question for you. What is like the the number one song on your uh, pregame playlist?
4: Wow. Uh, the number one song. I mean, it changes. It changes weekly. You know, there's, there, I, I I don't know what my number one song is, but my number one artist is The Weeknd. Not bad. Not so bad. like like if, if he like, yeah, something around that. Probably The Weeknd or Drake is, is one of their two songs.
0: What's your, what's, your, what's your jam right now from one of those artists that you're listening to that you're digging?
4: Oh wow. Uh, I mean Drake just dropped a a four, a four-song, you know, kind of, you know, uh EP album. I think his upcoming album is going to be unbelievable. Um, uh, so one of those or I've been, i been there's this song uh by by Tiesto called The Business. I feel like it's the ultimate hype song if you guys want to check it out when you get off of here. Uh, I'd say that that that's that's like my that's like if I'm going for like a hard run or like something where I need to be pumped up. That's the song I'm playing right now.
0: Perfect. Recommendation there. Recommendation there from Kevin Alston. Check it out. uh, Everyone Line Coalition and anyone listening to this bottle. Check it out. Uh, Kevin, last words for for the fans. Anyone listening to this? uh, Any last words you got to say heading into the the season?
4: Uh, I heard we have we're up to 20 um, uh, percent capacity for fans. So it'd be great to see some actual faces and not cardboard cutouts back out there. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Be good to see you guys again.
0: I, I think uh, I think we're all looking forward to the fans out the and I think if we keep going up and getting to that orange tier, it'll get even higher. So that'll be pretty cool, uh, yeah. which is what I think we're, we're getting to here. So uh, Kevin, thanks as always for joining our show. And we look forward to the next time we get to talk to you some more about soccer and just life in general, man.
4: And yeah, no problem. Anytime you guys want, let me know.
0: Perfect. Thank you, ladies and That's Kevin Alston, defender for your Orange County Soccer Club. It's always awesome to have the players on the show to just talk what's going on, find out what's going on with their soccer, with the team, and just life in general. Uh, and Kevin's always a great participant when it comes to that stuff. Um, we're, we're getting towards the end of time there, but we did ask a question there of Kevin about his thoughts on the U.S soccer team, not qualifying for the Olympics. I want to get all of your thoughts on that really quick before we head into our random thoughts. Uh, Dylan, let me go to you first. What are your thoughts on us failing? I think this is now the third Olympic uh, qualifying that they're failing to make in a row, which is disappointing. Um, What are your thoughts? Um,
2: Let me preface this by saying you don't need yet another white man yelling into a camera on um, a live stream about how the system's broken and doesn't work because the system works super well for people that look like me, but realistically, um, the system doesn't work. It's, it's a bad system. Um, there's in my mind, no coincidence that the reason that all of our best players don't play in the U S there is a reason that all of our best players in, in Orange County, all these young players want to go to Europe. It's cause that's where the best, teams are that's where the best clubs are that's where the best development is that's where the highest competitions you know those are those are the real big leagues um so it's not a surprise and i don't really care if it's our our c or our d team of the u23s if the system doesn't change then we'll we'll just continue doing this we'll continue failing out of every international tournament and you know every year or every two years we're going to sit And we're going to ask this question and we're all going to say the same thing. Oh, well, it was our, it was our CU23 team. Nah, it's just the system doesn't work. We got to shake things up and be a little bit more open. And um, maybe we'll find players who will um, give anything for the badge. And that's not to disparage the ones that played, but I really do mean like guys that will fight for that shirt um, because they are desperate to represent this club uh, or this country, I should say, instead of being like, Oh, cool. I got a call up, do an Instagram post. um, And then, you know, maybe a good coach would help too. (laughs)
0: Um, I want to get your thoughts on this, Alan, but I'm going to throw in a a quick little also additional uh, aspect to this. Um, Is this proof that the pay to play method of the United States soccer development doesn't work? Oh, um, I mean,
1: Anytime you put any, uh, anytime you gatekeep a kid's abilities to get access to quality coaching, uh, by gatekeeping the amount of money it takes to get your coaching licenses. Like it's not even paid to play. It's paid a to coach too. Like it's like, I think it's like $8,500 to reach their highest level. And that's for a lot of people that's cost prohibitive. Um, and you're not going to develop the coaches you need in order to develop the players you need. And the players you get are only going to be the ones that could, you know, are the ones that have the money or who are lucky enough to get scholarshiped in. Um, the other thing we need to keep in mind is on the world stage in regarding sports, like soccer is probably the one of the most uh, has the most parity between countries in the, in the world. Like this isn't, you know, basketball or this isn't football. This is the world sport where this is a lot of countries' number one sport. And the men, I think we've been spoiled that the women have been so successful because they've had some financial backing that a lot of other countries haven't. Um, But when we look at and compare the two, it's like, why aren't the men winning? It's It's because it's, you know, this is the number one sport for a lot of these countries. And there's a lot of countries who care a lot about soccer. Uh, So the fact that you're not beating Honduras isn't that big of a shock. They went to penalty kicks against Mexico and Mexico put in a lot of their good players toward the end of the match. And it took Mexico penalty kicks with one save. It was five to four in penalty kicks to beat Honduras. So like, I I think that's the other thing is as Americans were so used to looking at Latin American countries and poo pooing them. It's like, yeah, bless you, brew is that we need to stop. Overlooking countries like Honduras that produce talent that we see on a weekly basis in the USL, we know how good these guys are. So why are we surprised that high-end USL guys are beating middle-of-the-road MLS guys? That's not a surprise, especially when their coaches are probably better and their player development is probably better, and they probably take it a little bit more seriously with like you know tune-up games and and all of the things. Like, and when you talk about structure, it's not just about like the X's and O's on the, on the pitch. It's the structure of how you prepare and how you set up. And the reality that your countries like Honduras and Trinidad and Tobago are probably going to beat you sometimes. And that's just the reality. Um, I, I, I think that a lot of guys showed up like Ochoa was amazing in goal. Um, that right. But I mean, we all make one mistake. Yeah, we, all and, mistake. we all make yeah. mistakes. Yeah. We all make mistakes. He basically had a, perfect tournament, except for one mistake and that one mistake cost him. Um, and what you need is you need the team to pick you up and say, we got you and go score a goal. Um, I I do think, yeah, there's a lot of structural things that we need to change, but we also as fans need to realize that the United States is not a God given right to make the Olympics every year or make the world cup every year. You're going to get beat until you start taking it seriously, both on the coaching side and on the player side. And, and good on Honduras for kicking people's butts. Good on them. Like, let's celebrate that too. That's
0: a great success. Let me ask you uh, about this, Brad. But I want to uh, throw in a little extra question there as well, just like to Alan. Uh, you know, you look back 10, 15 years ago, there was this emphasis on the U.S. program of looking for those players in Europe that have the dual citizenship or, you know, that can qualify to play as an American and bring them on. And then there was a switch of this emphasis and you there was more of an emphasis of let's find MLS players that can represent this country. Let's find players that play in the U S to represent the U S. And now we've sort of switched back to that. Now that find those players with the, the the dual citizenship, is that maybe why we're seeing this sort of um, down period for U S soccer, where they're having trouble qualifying for, you know, Olympics and even world cup in recent years. Is that potentially a reason for that?
3: I think, and I'm not going to go on for too much longer because I think Dylan and Alan both really hit the nail on why the uh, U.S. Olympic team, um, again, failed to qualify for the Olympics this time in Japan. Um, Mostly because, you know, the Olympic team continues to play a lot of players who are based out of the U.S. Um, You know, other than Ochoa and Goal, I think Jackson Ewell was the only other player that I had good things to say about. Um, especially in the later stages of the Honduras match, there were plenty of opportunities where the ball's sitting right in front of the net and someone's right there to kick it in. And instead of kicking it with his left foot, he tries being fancy with the outside of his right foot and, and the ball somehow miraculously doesn't go in when it should have. Um, but looking forward, I'm, I have nothing but excitement to say about the men's national team. The the Uh, bigger, you know, team. Just because we're starting to see a lot of those players, uh, go to Europe. We have, you know, Pulisic. We have Dest. We have McKinney. We have uh, Gio Reyna. All these players that are starting to get some serious action in Europe, especially in the uh, Bundesliga. Um, not only are they seeing. More time there, but these are players that are all significantly young and they're a core group that are in the age range of 18 to 23. So these are players that maybe they won't be good for the next qualifying cycle when we're preparing for Cutter. Maybe we barely squeak into Cutter and they get some good experience together. But come 2026, uh, yeah, it's pronounced Cutter, Q A T A R. Um, that was not a misspelling or mispronunciation. Um, But maybe in 2026, when we have the World Cup here in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, um, we see these players that have been playing together for three, five years, and they're all the similar age group, and they all have good – they all have good chemistry. Maybe in 2026, we're seeing uh, a team that's prepared and actually can make a good run at a World Cup. So I don't think 2022 – Um, In the Middle East, in that country that I've said multiple times that you guys are making fun of me for, maybe we're not going to be ready for then. But hopefully 2026, our team is going to be ready and able to do something spectacular at the World Cup stage, not just round of 16 disappointment.
0: (laughs) All right, really quick. I have one last question for you guys, but I want quick answers because we were hitting that hour mark. Uh, Thoughts on the new changes to the U.S. Open Cup? that's now limiting even more teams from participating. And I think now it's just four USL team, USL championship teams, and maybe four lower division teams, or maybe more. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, quick thoughts on it. I Alan's just double thumbs down. Um, if you're not listening or if you're not watching live, but let me go to you really quick, Dylan quick, quick.
2: Um, I'm going to echo it. Harry from uh, San, Antonio San Antonio soccer roundtable roundtable name of his podcast sorry hi harry um at (laughs) ram and cole elsewhere um and like what difference does two weeks make like why would you cut it down even more it was already the u.s closed cup this year um whatever it's a
0: joke of a tournament
4: it doesn't matter
0: we already know alan isn't excited about it with his double thumbs down any words you want to throw into it though alan (laughs) Ooh, i second that good words there um for our you know, those of you that do the closed captioning on YouTube or whatever method you watch this, that'll be awesome to see how how many O's they potentially put at the end of that. Uh, Brad, thoughts on it?
3: I was going to say exactly what Dylan said. It's the closed cup. Hopefully it's open again soon and we can see some more Bar League teams.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm going to just sort of I, – I, I'm not excited about it, of course. And it sort of sucks because MLS teams don't really care about the Open Cup, but yet – those are the teams, really, that's the only league that you're letting all the teams play, which sort of sucks, because which MLS team uh, really tries their hardest to win that cup? They just throw out their B team and hope that they win something. They don't really try to win like some other smaller clubs do. All right, we've hit the hour mark. We're a little bit over an hour, but we were having great conversations about the schedule with Kevin Alston and then a couple important topics to talk about. Let's head over to our random thoughts for this episode. I'm going to head over to... Alan first, because he was actually here on time. Alan, random thought of the episode.
1: Dan D'Amico out of
0: Charlotte Independence.
1: Shout out to the Independent Supporters Council and uh, Ben Goshorn, however you say his last name. I know I always get it wrong. Soccer Goose and all of um, Jack's Militia Uh, and the supporters groups there in Charlotte for really pushing to get a racist owner out of the league.
0: Uh, Brad, what about you? Because you were here on time also.
3: I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, Bigotry, hatred, and all that stuff does not have a place in soccer. And whether or not that's the reason Dan D'Amico is out of Charlotte, I don't know. But it has no place and he's not here. So why even fester on it? Dylan. Dylan. Uh,
2: this is not an original thought because tonight is the night of borrowing things and being late and being a total disaster. But um, I would like to shout out a certain someone from the County Line Coalition who did point out that Joe Miko is putting out some music on Spotify. And it um, the man is very talented because I'm pretty sure he just learned how to play guitar and piano. So give it a listen.
0: There it is. Support, support music from... Current and former players of Orange County. I know Michael Seaton has put out some music. Uh, now we got Joe Miko putting out music. I'm sure there's other music that has been put out by by people. It's so easy nowadays to put out music either on SoundCloud or actually get it onto one of the streaming services. But go check out Joe Miko. Go check out Michael Seaton. Check out some other great music. Um, I just want to say I'm, I'm so stoked for the upcoming season. The preseason is just what uh, 10, 11 days away, 11 days away as we're recording. I think if I'm doing the math wrong, maybe 12, who knows I'm bad at maths, even though I'm a financial person. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm getting stoked. I'm excited for the season Preseason's is coming up and we have some fun stuff coming up in the preseason as we get closer to the kickoff of the regular season Uh, really quick, before we leave for those that are not watching live and can't see your social media, Twitter handles uh, Dylan, how can people follow you on social media?
2: Uh, I think you're supposed to go to Alan first, but anyway, you can find me uh, at OCSE
0: underscore Dylan.
2: That's D y l a m. If you haven't somehow found
0: me already. And I love that Dylan is figuring out the way this camera works, how it's sort of opposite when you point because he got I, I all the points correct today. I he got all the points correct up. today because even with Kevin Alston on the stream, he got the points correct. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Alan, what that. about you?
1: Uh, you can find me napping on the couch. Um,
0: Open invitation. Let's go. Uh,
3: Let's all at
1: go to a Alan's under, house. Check at at out 48. the 48
0: on the Twitter machines. This is the Alan Underwood in his natural habitat sitting on a couch. Uh Brad, go for it. I we need we need Dylan to do that voice.
3: Uh you can (laughs) He's getting
0: ready because Brad's giving his information too. I like it. You can find
3: me uh awake, probably at some coffee bar here in Reno at Pal in the Sky.
0: Go ahead, Dylan. Say whatever you're you're prepped to say. And and this is the
2: mid 30s white male in his natural habitat you can see this beard is getting quite long and unkempt and in his natural state he is resting taking a nap 20 hours a day
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't even wow. give my social media. So, and the the surprising thing is we got to this point. We actually gained a couple viewers when Dylan was doing that, which was pretty damn awesome. Uh, you can find me on social media at DJ race and more. You can also find the podcast on social media at OCSE underscore Soccercast. You can go to our website to listen to any of our past episodes or read any news that we potentially will put, put up on the website. Uh, uh, you know, so check that out. Um, oh yeah, there we go. Um, the, pod, the, the website is ocsepodcast.com, or if that's too long, ocsepod.com. All right. So, for Dylan, for Alan, for Brad, and our guest, Kevin Alston, this is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. And we are out. Oh!